0: has preached a sermon, everybody loves it, everybody's taking notes, um, and then all of a sudden, there's one person who questions him. And the one person that questions Jesus <clears throat> is the one who had been handpicked by the very hand of God to be his forerunner. Which you wouldn't think he would be the one to question him. But the one who questions him is John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, hey, we don't, are you really the guy? Right? And so last week we looked at how does Jesus respond when we doubt? And so if, you're, if you find yourself doubting sometimes, man, go to the website and listen to last week's message to catch back up. I think you'll find Jesus responds incredibly to our doubt. But with that said, today, the opposite is going to occur. Jesus is not going to be questioned by someone, but he's going to be worshipped by someone. And not someone that was hand-picked by God... Actually, someone who had been in the hands of many men. Lots of men. And probably even questioned if God knew her name. And and she's going to respond with worship. And so the question today is going to be, what happens when we encounter Jesus? So here we go. Let's jump back in to the text. Remain standing in honor of God's word. It'll be on the screen above. And so... One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and he reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's home, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And then Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who's forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, woman, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What a great text we've got today. Hey, let's pray together, and then we'll dive in. So Jesus, as we approach this text, as as we've we've already prayed this morning... There's three top people in this room. There are those who are Pharisees by nature who think that their works and that their ability to do certain things will earn your favor. And then there are prostitutes. Men and women who have sold you out countless times. And then there's You. And so, Lord Jesus, we do want you to be on display and you to be the one who can come in and touch the very hearts of both the prostitute and the Pharisee um, and bring them into a right relationship with the Father. Jesus, you be the one that's glorified as we look at this incredible text that you've given us through Luke. In Jesus, it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stay <clears throat> seated. Well, church, we're going to go through this just a little bit different than we typically do. Usually on the screen, we like to give you the text and then circle and show you where we're getting everything from. But today, that would just be impossible with what all is going on in the text. So we're going to look at the text, and and you can circle in your own Bible for yourself and highlight and underline. Uh, You'll still see where we got everything, but we're going to go through it um, almost in phases, if you will. So the first of the phases, I just want to note or bring back to our memory is this, the setting, because I think the setting of this text is very important, <clears throat> and a lot of times we don't understand the setting, we'll just kind of gloss over it, because uh, the text says that a Pharisee invited Jesus to his house, and so in our minds, we get the notion of it's something like if, if I was to invite Andy and Annalisa in, to my house. You come over, it's a cordial invite, right? Hey, Hey, come over and you can come in. <clears throat> well, that's not exactly what's going on in the text. So the Pharisee was a well-to-do person, super rich. And I, I did go through Sam's the other day, and I will be honest with you, I coveted the 86-inch TV that I saw as soon as you walk in. If one of y'all have it, I covet your, I covet your TV, okay? <clears throat> but but wealthy people didn't have the 86-inch TV. They didn't have a pool in the backyard. They didn't have all these things. What they did have was... Was homes that were built around courtyards, and so it would have been no offense if you live in a, in a in a gated neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. I don't mean that at all, but that's kind of what they would have it would have been like. They he, they had all of the amenities of a neighborhood, and so their homes would have been a little bit more elaborate than everybody else's, and they would have been built around courtyards where everybody could gather. Now, now here's what so here's what's going on in the text. He's inviting him over, not as a as a as a sign of, hey, I love you, brother. Let's just kind of hang out and have some fish and chips. <laughs> That's not what was going on. They, they, to show how rich they were and how much power they had, anybody who was coming through that had gotten notoriety, they would go, hey, I want that guy's coming to my courtyard. And so it would be a race to get that person to come to their courtyard. And inside the courtyard... They would have tables set up, and they would be able to do elaborate meals and feasts, and they would leave the doors open, the gates open, per se, if you will. And so anybody could come in and out to hear the people talk. And so it was a dialogue. In other words, the picture is not the Pharisee going, hey, Jesus, man, I think you've got a lot of great things to say. It was, hey, everybody, look how rich I am, and I can get this guy... And I have the power and the clout to bring him into my courtyard. Now look at this feast that I've prepared. Look at the servants that I have all around. Oh, don't shut the gate because we want everybody to know. Hence, people could come in and out. So maybe you've wondered, how on earth did this lady get into this man's house if it was a private gathering? Well, because it wasn't a private gathering. Now do you understand a little bit more of what's going on? Now it makes sense why she has come in. There are a lot of people coming in and out. And so, in this moment, the setting is, <clears throat> you got this cool party, and you got this Pharisee going, I'm the man. I throw the best Super Bowl party. Now maybe you're preparing for a really good Super Bowl party today, right? And you've got the brisket going, and you've got the wings going, all that kind of stuff. I'm not knocking you. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to show up and get some, Right? So like these people, leave your door open and let's all come in and grab from your snack table. Okay? But this is the, this is the setting. You've got to have that setting in mind to see the contrast of the Pharisee and this lady. So this is the setting. Now, the sinners. So you've got the setting, but then you've got two very easy to see sinners in this parable, this story. Not parable, it's a historical account. So number one, you've got the calculated Pharisee. He, he's the pious elite he's the one that he's the first ballot deacon the first ballot elder he's, he's the one who has the, the robe and the tassels and all the stuff he's, he's the guy, he's the man Okay, everybody would have recognized him <clears throat> and so the entrance into his home of this lady would have caused um, all kinds of whispers and would have caused, oh, why is she here? What is, what is she doing? It would have been kind of a, 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 an odd thing. This man was well versed in the art of dialogue, he was well versed um, and known by everyone, so therefore he took the head of the table very seriously. So this lady comes in. In other words, the sinner that's the Pharisee would have said something like this Jesus, man, you should feel privileged to be in my presence. And we can even see that in the text, because did you notice when they were talking what he referred to Jesus as? Teacher. Remember that? They're talking, they're dialoguing, and he says, oh, hey, hey, hey teacher, I've got a question for you. In other words, I'm going to stump you. And this is kind of how I felt in almost every math class that I had growing up. Anytime the teacher was like, hey, I've got a question for you. I was like, oh, crud. This is not going to be good. (laughs) Other than two plus two, I'm pretty much out, right? So so this is kind of his pompous, arrogant, this pious elite. But then you've got the unhinged prostitute. And she's not the pious elite, but she's the rejected exile. She's the one who, again, felt the whispers and nods. Felt the, oh, man, I, I, I know they're talking about me. And she's the one who was not well-versed in the art of dialogue, but she was, she was well-versed in the art of sexual abuse. And She'd been with many men. She was known in the public arena as this sinner. She was well-known by everyone, not as the rich elite, but the one who was well-abused, used, tainted, scarred. Worthless, dare I say, whore. This is who she was. And she felt it. She knew that this was her. But instead of saying, Jesus, you should feel privileged to be in my presence, she would have said something like this Jesus, I cannot allow, I cannot understand how I'm allowed to be in your presence. So she didn't have a lot to say. As a matter of fact, if you look at the text, how many things does she say in the text? Zero. Not a one. She didn't know what to say. She was stunned that she was able to be in his presence. So you've got the setting, you've got the sinners, and then you've got the scene. Now it's easy to jump straight into what is occurring, all right? But I think what is occurring is maybe best understood by what has not occurred, right? What I mean by that is this. The woman is doing what to Jesus' feet? Say it out loud. Washing Jesus' feet. Which implies that the man and the host has failed to do what? Wash Jesus' feet. That should say something to you. That scene sets up. It's a custom. It's a custom still in society today um, in, in that part of the world by many who are nomads and still live in rough terrain. Uh, they walked around with sandals. It was dusty. It was arid. And so when they came into somebody's house, the first thing they would do is they would take sponges and they would wash their feet. It was it was a sign of uh, not just humility but just uh, sand, uh, um Sanitary-ness is, <laughs> it was sanitary, all right? cleaning his feet. But it was a show of, I, I respect you enough to love on you in this way. And the Pharisee, the rich, pious, look at me, hadn't washed his feet. And so what we've got is this lady doing this. And so because of this scene, we've got three postures going on. And I think the postures are very important because the postures reveal the hearts of each individual. So let's look at these postures. You've got the Pharisee who along these lines, I'm going to tolerate being near you so that you can be up under me and see how I really am your Lord. This is the Pharisee's notion. I'm better than you. Right, and so it sounds like this: Hey, Jesus, hey, time is money. Um, I don't have time to wash your feet. Get in. There's your seat. Sit down. Point your stinky feet that way. We got a lot to talk about. This is the posture of this man's heart. You got the woman, the woman who sees the door open, hears that Jesus is coming in, knows that everybody in that courtyard knows exactly who she is and what she does, and she does not care. Runs in, doesn't go to the head of the table, doesn't ask a question, bows at Jesus' stinky feet away from everybody else and lays there and it sounds like this. Jesus, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than just sitting at your dirty feet. Lady, you've done that long enough. I don't have anywhere else to be. The Lord is here. The Pharisee. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it going. Boom. We got a time. Do this. Do this. Orchestrate this. The lady going. All of me. For all of you. What a posture of the heart. And then you've got Jesus. The scene of Jesus and his posture should say something to us as well. Notice what Jesus also does not do. What he doesn't do to this lady is say... Hey, hey, don't touch my feet. What he doesn't do is say, hey, get away. He allows her implying, I am the Lord. And she is in the right spot. Pompous Pharisee, enjoy your lamb chop. Lady, thank you for loving on the lamb who is here to take away the sins of the world. It's crazy, beautiful. Luke is so masterful at articulating to this. He knows what she's doing, and then he doesn't tell her otherwise, but we're not there just yet. The setting, the scene, uh, the setting, the centers, the scene, and then the servings. The servings are on display. As we go through these again, I know that you've got a lot of servings that are going to be served tonight. I hope you have more buffalo everything than... I hope you have buffalo chips, buffalo wings, buffalo dip. Heck, I hope some of you actually cook a real buffalo, all (laughs) right? You're going to have all the buffalo stuff on display for the Super Bowl tonight. But there's some things served up here as well. The Pharisee served Jesus one thing. He served him a chance to explain himself. There you go, Jesus. I've let you in. I've given you a chance to talk. Now explain yourself. In in good southern it would be something like this. What you got to say boy? This is kind of the notion of this guy's heart. He wasn't there to make Jesus feel at home at all. He was there to boast in his home. And then you have the lady serving Jesus something. The lady is not serving Jesus as a chance to explain himself. But the lady is serving Jesus a feast of endless expressions of gratitude. Endless. It was a buffet. I love a buffet. I love it. I wish we had more buffets. She just offered out a buffet of gratitude. And here's the deal. That's all she had to offer. She didn't have anything else to offer him. She looked at the king and was like, I, I don't, I, what, what, do, what did you give the king? Oh, I just give him everything I've got. And so her gratitude begins to explode on the scene in this, as she offers it up and serves it up. Notice the things that she gives him through gratitude. Number one, touch. She touches Jesus. The Pharisee, thank you Jesus for coming into my home. You sit right there. The lady, touch. She comes up. I, I got to touch him. She lays her hands on him. Touch. Kisses. Valentine is coming up, and Valentine is known by fat little angels who apparently are good at archery. <laughs> um, and hearts. Heart-shaped chocolates and heart-shaped... I don't know, whatever. There's heart, everything. Adoration. She kisses him. The most, I would argue, intimate um, expression of love that someone can give to another person. As a matter of fact, this is a story for another day, but you want to know a relationship that's on the, on the decline is notice if the kiss has begun to be absent. If the kiss is gone then love is and adoration is f- waning. The kiss. Adoration. And, and the tense of the verse is, not that she came in and kissed him, but the tense is that she kissed and kept on kissing him with kisses of kisses. She, could, she wouldn't stop. Everybody was stunned at what's going on. She anointed him. She served in that. An anointment. She, she poured out the best she had now, I know, guys, a lot of y'all, the best that you've got is Tommy Hilfiger, right? Or, or polo. <laughs> uh, ladies, white diamonds. You know, what, whatever it is. It, 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 the best she had, she, she goes, I'll take this. It's all I've got. And as a prostitute, this would have had a value to her. It would have been the thing that sometimes just made her feel good about herself to put on just a little bit and at least to breathe in the aroma of something that was alabaster when she felt so tarnished inside. If I can just cover it up. It was a prized possession to her. And she saw Jesus and said, Oh, forget me. You can have it. And she anointed Jesus. Jesus. She served him with touch and with kisses and with anointing. And she kneeled before him. She served him humility. I'll bow in his presence. And you know what? You, 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 all around there. All y'all. I don't care. I don't care. And she knelt. she, She served him. She rubbed his feet, she, she served him through tears, tears that few had seen. The years of hard living had calloused her heart. And you guys know, when you're in a hard spot and your heart begins to get calloused, sometimes it's hard to cry. As a matter of fact, there's some of you men in here right now going, I had not cried in 40 years. You might need to. You might need to cry. Like the fact that you're like, I'm not a crier. Like that is like good. Like a therapist would go, okay, he hasn't cried in 40 years. (laughs) That's not a great thing. Nobody had seen her tears through the years of callousing. But for Jesus, it all came out. She poured out her tears. She served him with her hair. Hair, this is fascinating you got to go read the history on this. We don't have time for this. But the hair was the crown jewel of a woman. And so it was placed up and it was tied up. As a matter of fact, commentators will, look, will tell you if you look at this, to let down your hair in the front of a man was the same as to expose your breasts. That's how this was. Hair was a, was a wonderful, coveted thing. And how many men had tarnished her hair. And she said, Jesus, my hair. I will wipe your feet with it. Her hands. Her small, dirty, damp Hands, Jesus, they're borrowed, and they're abused, but they're yours. And then lastly, her quivering heart. She served the Lord with her quiver. It had to be quivering. My gosh, I read this text, and my heart starts skipping beats, much less the lady who's living it out. Her quivering heart going, it is unworthy. It is unworthy to be in your presence. I don't even have the words. You can imagine the, the soaking mess and her heart just quivering and going, it's unworthy, Lord, but I'm willing to expose it before you right here, right now. Notice, the, now do you see the contrast? Pharisee, pompous. I'm not showing you my heart. As a matter of fact, Jesus, you show me your heart. Mine's better than yours. Look at my house. Look at my courtyard. Look at me and the woman. It's beautiful. And so the serving contrast is totally different. And so the question is, when is the last time? With running nose, you've been unhinged in your overflowing joy for Christ. And when's the last time? Even in the presence of human nobility, we clap, don't we? I mean, if the president walked in the room, I know this is America, I don't, anyway. Um, If a king walked in a room and for those of you who think that was a political thing, y'all don't know me, because those of you who know me know that I'm like the most apolitical thing. It don't, it don't matter to me. <clears throat> if a king from Saudi Arabia comes in this room, probably everybody in this room will turn, attention, take pictures, look. Oh yeah, well, I'll, I'll sit, I'll, I'll listen, I'll tune in, I'll tune in. Da, 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 da. Even humans, we do that. How much more when you're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's a beautiful thing. So, Troy, do you think this is fear or do you think this is joy? Oh, I think it's joy. I think in fear, if it was fear of Jesus, I think she would have gone and hid in her own house. But overflowed with joy, she comes in and she's completely unhinged. Something he has said or something he has done has opened her heart to the point of, I am freed. I'm freed. Unhinged. It's like raising the hands when you know the right answer. You're in that class, and the very few times where the teacher said something, I was like, I know that answer. I can promise you. They're like, hey, raise your hands if you know the answer. And I was like, yes, I know that one. Typically to find out that I really didn't know the answer. And she's like, no, that wasn't the right answer. I'm like, stupid hand. But when you know the right answer, you don't have a problem going, yes, I know it. She was freed to do that. Her hands were let freed like verbal shouts when the last second field goal occurs. I can't tell you. I mean, even at County High over here, right? So when we have a last, last second field goal, it's something fun to watch. And, and everybody's sitting there with bated breath, right? On the, on the cusps of reality, it seems. Is this going to happen or not? And then, boom, it goes up in the air. And you watch it fly through the air. And as soon as it crosses over and the last second ticks off the clock... Everybody in the stands does what? Boom! It's just a reaction. That's this woman. This, in the presence of Jesus, it was, yes! Yes! I don't know what to do with myself. Like jumping up and down when you get the good news that you've waited to hear for she realized that all she had to offer was tears and oil, and so she just gave it to him freely. So you've got the setting, the centers, the scene, the serving, and then the Savior. The Savior reveals himself through a story, and the story's pretty neat because the high-class elitist and the low-class prostitute, they ultimately have the same problem, Right? They have the exact same problem. They both have gross debts. And it doesn't matter if you've got a million in the bank account or you've got 20 in the bank account. In Jesus' standard, you still owe debts, And this is a cl- a completely offensive for the Pharisee to hear. Right? Until your eyes are open to its reality. But so Jesus says, listen... One man has 500 debt and one of them has five debt. It's, it's, a, it's a tenfold discrepancy, if you would say. But nonetheless, both had debts. Uh, one is a, I think it was 550, I'm sorry. Uh, one of them is a 500 denarii center, one of them is a 50 denarii center. But all it takes for us to be separated from the Father is a 1 denarii center. So they both had gross debts. Number two, they had no ability to pay their debts, it had to be forgiven. You can't achieve holiness. You can't pay the price. It doesn't matter if you have 50 sins or 500 sins. And by that I mean since you woke up this morning. Because <laughs> Lord knows we got way more than that. But we try, don't we? I'll, I'll clean up this time. I'll stop cussing so much. I'll stop doing the thing. I want this, I will this, I'll be good, I'll attend, I'll whatever. And none of that can measure up. It's got to be forgiven. And Jesus says, hey, these were forgiven. They were both forgiven. They both got gross debts. They have no ability to pay their debts. But, number three, they must respond to the Christ claim as the exclusive source of forgiveness. There's got to be one who says, I can forgive because I own the bank. (laughs) And Christ owns the bank. And in this moment, the Pharisee, after hearing this, hey, there's great debt and it's got to be forgiven, that phrase that I I tried to, when I read it, I I tried to pause at it, the Pharisee says, well, I suppose, did y'all catch that? I suppose the one who was forgiven more loves more. I suppose. In other words, if that was real, I suppose he knew what was going on. You can almost hear frustration in that, don't you? The woman, silence and nonstop service. If she could say anything, it would have been this I'm the 500 sinner. There's nothing I can do to repay you. So all of me, I give to all of you. The greatest sinners make the greatest saints, don't they? Why? Because they know. They know what they've been forgiven of. And the more that I walk with Jesus... I'm going to be honest with you. The more messed up I realize I am. And it's funny. It's funny how people get a weird notion of Christians. It's always dangerous when I move away from that. So I'm going to try to go right back. But it is funny to me how people get the notion of, oh, you're Christians. You're holier now. You're those people. Got it all together? Act like you all cool. You and Jesus got you all stuck. Yeah, you really got God. It is, it is wild to me. Because the people that I know who have fallen in love with Jesus and his scandalous salvific work on the cross are the quickest people to go. Buddy, you point out one thing wrong in me and I can give you a million more. I'm the worst sucker you've ever seen. It's funny to me. So maybe if you're here in this room and you've got the warped notion of Christianity of, oh, I've got to achieve. Maybe you haven't understood the depths of your sin and how scandalously gracious Christ is to cover that sin for you. Those who understand their sin greatly make great saints. So if you're in this room going, oh, that's me. I'm over here. That's me. (laughs) Buddy, I feel it. Praise the Lord that Jesus has opened your eyes to his need for, to your need of him. Praise the Lord. So are you pompous? Are you going, I get it, man. (laughs) I need Jesus. If you're in this camp, have you become unhinged for his glory? It's a beautiful passage. Let's keep going and we'll wrap it up. <clears throat> Setting, centers, scene, servings, savior, and then the sense. Sense. I think there's three scents that fill the room at this moment. Number one, you've clearly got the stench of the religious elite's examination and rejection. It just stinks. Everything about it stinks. He wants a Lord that's going to put this lady on blast. That's what he wants. Point out her sin, get her out of here. Yuck. But he doesn't want to acknowledge that he too is just as much in need of a savior. So you've got the stench of him. Then number two, you've got the satisfaction of the alabaster dripping off Jesus' feet. The, the whole courtyard at this moment begins to smell like the botanical gardens. It's just a, Everybody's like, I smelled lamb chops, but now, whoo, Alabaster the stench of the religious elite, the satisfaction of the alabaster, and the sweetness of salvation before the heavenly throne. And that, to me, smells the best. Scripture tells us that the angels in heaven do what when one sinner repents? Say it. Overjoy. Rejoice. Celebrate. And heaven begin to erupt with this one who had fallen in love with Jesus, the four most powerful words in this text are, Lady, your sins are forgiven. It's beautiful. Her prostituted body was given a virgin heart. Her crushed soul was replaced with crown of righteousness. Her bankrupt account was filled with dignity. And her trembling humility was transformed into steadfast peace. All because of Jesus. What a text. What a text the band is going to come back up. What takeaways can we take away from this? Three takeaways from what happens when one encounters Jesus. And as I read these, I just ask you to ask yourself, man, do I know Jesus in this way? Three things that happen. Number one, when you encounter Jesus, the reality of sin births either shame or submission. Recoil, thankfulness. Shame. Oh, I know I'm a sinner. I see Jesus. I'm a sinner. And that knee-jerk reaction is pride. Pride is, I'm not going to be vulnerable. This is why when people are caught in sin, and it's exposed, and they don't want to walk with someone through that, it's pride. Pride leaves you not vulnerable at all. So when we confront Jesus, we, we see that and it's, it's, ah! Recall or submission. Thankfulness. This lady didn't recall nothing. Here I am. What you want me to do? Humility. Number two. The reality of Christ's forgiveness leaves you completely unhinged. I love the David Crowder song. I know it's probably not on set for right now. Um, I'll become even more undignified than this. Y'all remember that song? I'll become. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's about, it's, it's David dancing naked before the ark. It's, he's unhinged and Michael looks out the window and says, "Whoa, King, why are you dancing naked? And he goes, I don't care. I'm before the Lord. I don't care what I don't care what you think. How many of you this morning when we began to sing, you go, I don't know if they're gonna listen, they're gonna like my voice here, they're gonna like my voice. Here. I better just stand here like this. Unhinged! She becomes completely unhinged before the Lord. Apathy. If you're apathetic to the worship of Christ buddy I love you enough to tell you you do not understand the depths of your sin and how Christ has forgiven them because if you do understand that grace there's no way that you can be apathetic to him no way worship she responds in unhinged worship Church, I'm going to say this. Raising hands, clapping, dancing, shouting, kneeling, bowing isn't a charismatic thing. You need to hear that. That is a genesis to revelation response of all those who encounter the Lord, God of the universe. And then number three, the way Christ responds is with blunt truth Notice he didn't say, she's not a sinner. He didn't say that at all. He just said, she's worthy of my grace. That's how he responds when we encounter him in humility and honesty. You are worthy of his grace. You are worthy of his grace, You are worthy of His grace. If I could go around the room and hold your face, and just if I could tell you one thing, I would just be like, You're worthy of His grace. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, how beautiful you are! How beautiful you are. what do we offer you? Maybe from this text today we'll realize that it's enough to stop trying to pay our way in or work our way in or get it all together and get it right and figure it out and do the thing and blah, blah, blah. But we'll see that it is enough to bow before you and say, I am broken but I'm yours." Hold me, Lord. I am dirty and abused, but in you I see forgiveness. And then, Lord Jesus, I pray, will we pour out everything we've got in worship. So Jesus... For the unbeliever in this room, I pray today they have come face to face with their sin face to face with your scandalous grace exclusive grace that's only found in you I pray today they confess their sin, fall at your feet and trust in you for salvation Lord Jesus, do the miracle of salvation now Lord please, do it now in this room for every believer in this room Oh Jesus, make our hearts completely unhinged to boast in how awesome You are. Yeah, outside, but right here, right now, Jesus is your precious name.